We should put an intro song here and then start the podcast here. Welcome to Double Issue. This is Daniel. And I'm Quentin. This week we're doing Underworlds. Yeah. Not underwears. Not underwears. So. What'd you, what? I was going to say, what did you do this week to get ready? No, I didn't do anything. Oh. That works. <laughs> I was going to bring out actual universe things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, do that. Yeah. Um, Pre-artificial insurrection event. Aegis has two bow and arrow people. Yeah. That seems like a problem. (laughs) So I had a thought about that. I thought, what if Archival learned to shoot bow and arrows from Hildy since she was his elder? Wouldn't that be a cute scene? Except little little alien squid with bows. Except he's like like hella old. I thought he just had um, past genetic, or not genetic, but passed down memories from past lives. I guess so. But he is, like, older than... But also it seems weird that she would teach him. Yeah, not just someone from his group. Yeah, and not some regimented training trials or something. (laughs) I mean, they could, like, bond over... (laughs) both being arrow people that's true and maybe he was recently new when she was in the group like he was recently new to the human world mm, that would work i'm trying to think would they have like a rivalry then over shooting arrows better that could be friends well i mean like a friendly like competition kind of thing i mean they're very different with the like trick arrows versus laser beam arrows (laughs) i think right oh the other thing i noticed while thinking about the world was our magic timeline is weird for the character (laughs) magic oh okay for the character magic yeah because we have the things we have set out in super order are like the artificial insurrection happens and then sometime after the spell squadron gets annihilated right were we saying after or before? Oh, no. we, I guess we were saying after. Yeah, yeah, sometime between when artificial insurrection happened and now Spell Squadron had their big, I don't know if it was an event or a mini event or what, but a lot of them died. But there's a comment about magic being the person from Aegis that investigated the aftermath. Yeah. But he was out of Aegis in the Cuphands one. He's, like, an older person then, so I don't know if he, like, comes back on or if he, maybe he wasn't an older person in the Cup Hands one. I thought in Cup Hands he was just a representative. I mean, but he'd still have to be an older person there. Like, do you think he was an Aegis during the artificial insurrection? Yeah, I was thinking he was. Okay. Then I guess he's one of the people that stayed on and then left at some point between there and current. 
Yeah, maybe my... he just like retired from Aegis and has just like recently gone on to do the tribunal. Yeah, but I have the cup hands one. Oh, it was a while a ago. Way, a ways back, probably pre. That's right. Pre artificial insurrection. So we're looking at that being like five, six years ago, if not more. Oh yeah, because they've had time to build a whole city over there. Yeah. My one thought was for a remedy was he's like Merlin and he ages backwards. <laughs> what if he is just like long lived and so he just kind of retires and goes to different teams now and then? He gets old and so he goes and hibernates like Adam Warlock for a while and comes back a little bit younger. Mm, that would be cool. I mean, I don't want to make him super immortal because that's the immortal Reggie's thing. Yeah. What if. Not not a Benjamin Button situation, but what if he gets to the end of his life and then he starts going backwards? What if in his sacrum santorum-ish building, his secret office, there's a room where time just goes backwards, so he just has to walk in there for a couple of days? But yeah, I don't know. We'll have to hammer that out. Because I think it'd be okay if he just was serving on tribunal it just seems as weird a member of ages. On the tribunal, they would have someone that's not been around a long while we're getting close to where we're actually gonna have to like map this timeline out aren't we yeah at least a little bit all right story time or yeah we could do storage here's my story this week fool's errand by daniel j pool do you have any pentacles asked a massive red half man half bull Ha! Go summon, said Leviathan. The green blob shifted and stiffened into a copy of the bull demon. She pointed with a cloven hand and chuckled before pulling a pile of gold coins to herself. You really need to work on your poker face. (laughs) She laughed so hard she spilled out of her chair onto the floor. Glowing yellow eyes narrowed at her. Wrath pounded the table with a hoof. Cheater, let me check your cytoplasm for extra cards. Kinky? said the blob. Enough children, it's just a game. A golden man with sharp horn gathered the cards from the table. Raph hissed and sat down. His shoulders slouched. Easy for you to say when you're winning, Mammon. Please don't be a so loser. We want to make a good impression for our substitute player. He gestured vaguely toward a feminine rock monster sitting quietly. She had ruby red lips and eyes precisely like sapphires and laying on her smooth stone skin. Say, hello, Rockula. She looked around the table and said, Hello, Rockula. In a gravel, soft tone, Bills slapped several of his knees and hissed wetly. The creature slapped Rockula across the back. Mammon dealt the cards to each of the players. They kept one eye on their coin piles. The cards were oversized and hand-painted with regal figures. Your big blind, Delphi. A heavy snore cut the room. The golden man rolled his eyes. Belf. Belphagor. Hey, wake up. The snore growled and sputtered from a blue woman resting with her head on the table. A dirty bathrobe hung off of her like a curtain. She yawned and rubbed her softly glowing eyes. Is it my turn? Yes, put your money on the table, then go back to sleep. She nodded and tossed a pair of coins. Before they hit the table, she was snoring again. 
bills gargled incoherently and struck two pincers together. They tossed an extra set of coins to the center of the table. Levy bubbled and wobbled. She oozed a curly mustache and a foamed cowboy hat. Well now, you feeling lucky, Bales? My Bells is always lucky, said Asmo's left face, while Asmo's right face kissed one of his pincers. He's my lucky cricket. They had two faces, but turned 90 degrees from one another at the neck and fused back to back. They resembled a single person with half a mouth on either cheek, or an ancient god without a name. Get a room, you two, said Belfie, turning over. Or three. Mammon clicked his tongue. All right, fools are wild, wands are high. Each player tossed a card into the middle of the table. Raph glanced around the room while they exchanged a pair of cards. He asked, So, anyone made a score since Amy's comeback? Osmo shook their head with a pair of upturned lips. They said in unison, We broke into Aegis' evidence locker and tried to steal some mecha parts. What happened? Levy slung a card and withdrew one from the discard. Anyone have a seer? Mammon tossed her a card and swore. Asmo said with one face, Amy, she came out of nowhere. The other face said, Oh, and it was invigorating. How'd you get away? Asked Mammon. They shrugged. She beat me till I was nearly unconscious. Lucky for me, the mecha I was stealing had a freeze ray. Got her at point blank. Right in the eyes. Gave me a moment to use my gate key. I warped safely away. Raph made a mock crying face. Oh dear. Oh my. Not a battle. I must warp away. Oh yeah, tough guy. How much better have you fared? Osmo asked. The bull man puckered their lower lip. Well, I, uh... Well, you see, I, I attacked Midas. Levy put down her cards. Oh, this I have got to hear. How did assaulting Cuphands this place go for you? It was a glorious battle. And how many henchmen did you lose? The bull snarled. They are warriors, not henchmen. And for your information, we were winning. Mimon folded his cards up. Here we go. And then she appeared. Yeah. She just struck the battlefield. The force blew my warriors off their feet. She and Michonne obliterated our siege weapons with their bare hands. The bullman wiped away a tear. It was glorious. Asmo grinned from ear to ear. Is Amy back, back with, with Michonne? Michonne? They fought together. But are they together? Isn't that what I said? Asmo sighed. Someone, Someone help me here. Memon didn't. If anyone cares, it's the second scoring round. He flipped a pair of coins onto the center stack. And how did you get away, Wrath? Oh, I didn't. I waited till he put me in the mountain. Levy poured her head to one side. Osmo asked, How did you escape? Friends in lower places. Speaking of, where's Luce? Mammon gestured towards Rockula. Indisposed, but he sent Rockula here as his stand-in. Which reminds me, I think I win. What? I don't believe this. Asmo leaned over the table to review the cards. 
Well, she did, Belf stood up, collected the pot, and drew it back to her side before she went back to sleep on top of the pile. Mammon's golden eyes twitched. How did you get a fool's errand, and none of us saw it? A snot bubble inflated from Belf's nose. Mammon grumbled but collected the cards. Raph crossed his arms. He said, What about you? Rockula, right? Have you fought Amy Dangerous recently? The rock monster shifted in her chair. A few pebbles slid down her forehead. She said, Well, I was stealing some, uh, rare earth minerals. Raph nodded. As you do. Then, Rockula continued, I was caught by Amy in the act. Sounds about right. So I hit her with a rock. Oh, original. Raph's eyes got big to emphasize their insincerity. It, it was a, a big rock. Beals made a thumbs up with three of their arms. Rockula returned the signal with just one of their rocky arms. The bug monster gargled a string of grunts and chirps. Asmo tilted their head left to right to each block of sounds. Raph made a jerking motion. Mammon shook their head and said, See, I don't believe you did. That's too outrageous, even for you. How did you fit inside Spell Squadron's sanctum? Asmo waved their hand. Their faces said, No, no really. I, I saw, saw it. it. I was actually impressed. I mean, before Amy showed up and punched Beals so, so hard, hard they, they flew, flew into space, space, he found the entrance and was in the front parlor. Raph slapped the table. That I believe. The bug hissed. Belf played their hand. She said, I nearly got her. I know her, where her secret base is. Caught her while she was sleeping. Maimon took a trick and drew a card. He asked, Well, play to your strengths, but did you win? Snore answered him from the other end of the table. The Golden Devil said, Don't know what I expected. What about you, Levy? Any master plans recently? Levy poured herself into the form of a young woman. I heard the lab that made me, Binsfield Corporation, had more mutagen on order. I thought if I could get more, I could stabilize my degeneration rate. I got the mutagen and thought I was home free. Then she arrived. No matter how much I drowned her, choked her, beat her, cut her, she was fine. She punched me so hard, she broke the sound barrier. The force broke me apart. It took a week to collect myself. Tough break. <laughs> Raph laid down a strait of rooks. He hugged the pile of gold coins to himself. Some clattered as he pulled the stacks to his end of the table. But, but how? What? Mammon was counting cards. That's impossible. Who added an ace to the deck without taking it back out of the rotation? Hey, even if it was a duplicate, I cheated fair and square. The bullman tossed his cards to Mammon. The devil squinted. But I know for sure I'm the only one that added any cards to the deck. Ha ha! Asmo pointed a purple finger at Mammon. Both faces were twisted into a snarl. The cheat admits it. A card fell out of her sleeve. The monsters giggled. That does it. I'm going to make the deck fair this time. 
said Mammon. Biel sunk a claw into the table over the cards. He dragged them away from the golden man. They grunted and started shuffling with several sets of spindly arm. Asmo said, I think you're right, dear. A change of dealer is safest. While he counts them, what's your latest score, Mammon? The golden devil straightened their bolo tie. He said, I stole something very special. Don't be shy, do tell, Levy said. While picking up his cards, he said, Nothing that'll be missed, but I took a few locks of Miss Dangerous's hair. <laughs> Belf was sitting straight up wide awake. You did what? Are you actually thinking clearly? Mammon shrugged. We've been fighting her huh, whole careers. I don't think any of us would stop her now that she's back. Our only hope to get rid of her is an Amy of our own. Beals croaked and shuffled their wings. Asmo nodded and said, Yeah, I'm with the roach. Beals made an indignant chirp. Sorry, dear. But Mammon, you have better odds of destroying the world than Amy. The golden devil stopped her. That's the plan. I don't have to destroy Amy. I just have to push her hard enough to destroy the world for me. Belle threw her feet up on the poker table and leaned back in her chair. Her eyes were wide. Two rabbit house shoes tapped at the air. She crossed her arms and huffed. She tossed out a pair of chalices and a pair of aces. Where's the prophet? Don't be so solemn, Belfi. None of us can beat Amy. Even together we aren't enough to stop her. The prophet is a world free of Amy. Mammon grinned and laid out a full court. Levy bubbled. Asmo giggled and chuckled out of each face. Raph smirked for a moment, but turned it to a scowl. Bales chirped. Rockula was silent. Bales nudged her. What's wrong? Go over your head, asked Levy. Belf nodded off while leaning back in her chair, with her feet still propped up on the table. Asmo leaned across the table to the rock monster, with her whole face closest to her. I guess you are as dense as the rock you're made of. Mammon doesn't actually want to hurt the planet, just the world's trust in its greatest hero. Her other face turned its attention toward the devil. But what is your plan exactly? The end for now. You uh, introduced quite a few bad guys here. I felt like we had a bad guy debt that needed to be filled in. Yeah. So I thought this is a good time to just throw a whole bunch out there. I like some of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was hoping at least a couple would be good so that maybe like on average <laughs> they yeah, were good. I actually like most of them. My favorite though is, what was his name? You have each of them have a deadly sin associated with them. Yeah. And some of them I can associate with them. Uh, Asmodeus, I don't really associate with lust. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it was weird reading that. But that was my favorite guy. Yeah. So it's one of those things where lust gets associated with sex so much. But the way I was trying to think through their characters, it's almost like, oh, not lust for knowledge, but like sort of that self-fulfillment through knowing things and i tried to think of each deadly sin a little differently than just I mean, straight up 
there is a reason that lust gets associated with sex so much. Yeah. No, I just, I tried to not make it one-dimensional because I took the the seven deadly sins as a one-dimensional like prompt for each character, Yeah. but then tried to fill in more than that. No, I like that they're not just a deadly sin. They're like a character that also, they kind of team up as the seven deadly sins for a kind of gimmick for their yeah. group. Yeah. So my concept for the group is they are a rogues gallery for somebody. I don't know if it's somebody we've already just like written about or if it's a new character, mm-hmm. but there's somebody's rogues gallery. And at some point they decide to team up as the seven deadly sins with their, as their gimmick. And some of them either change their name or take on the name of those characters. And that would be like their very first issue or arc. And this is closer to maybe like their third arc together as a, as a separate comic series. Yeah. So there's some characters like Beelzebub, who he was a normal human scientist who had a fly in the teleporter situation and took on the title Beelzebub for this group. So he Cronenberg the flyed. Yeah. Okay. So he's this Cronenberg monster who is actually smart and has good qualities, but he's also a giant monster. I think what might be cool is maybe they're not all one person's rogues gallery. Yeah. Like they're from across different people. Yeah. My thought was that, like, Mammon would be consistently an Amy Dangerous villain. Yeah. But then some of the others I was thinking about other characters with. So, like, Leviathan or Belphegor would be fun with maybe Double Take or another speedster character. Yeah. I didn't even know what to do for Lucifer slash Pride, so that's the reason they weren't there in the story. Oh. I was like, this is too many characters. (laughs) Oh, so one concept I did want to ask if it came across in the story with... Asmo, what did you think like their backstory would be? Janice, god of doors. Yeah. No. I um, mean like what do I think their like origin story? Yeah. As a supervillain? Yeah. Um I don't know, I'd have to think about it. You put me on the spot. I know. I could come up with My, something though. Just like sitting and thinking about the story, I had the concept of what if they're just conjoined twins? Oh. They're not like a monster or evil or a demon or anything it's just they just had a like birth defect i mean you already used a teleporting accident so i guess yeah <laughs> that isn't a thing that's why i decided to put them together like her and bills though because i thought it'd be really funny oh or not funny but like really cool like she sees him getting like shot at by aegis because he's like on a rampage and she feels like really akin like yeah it does suck to be different yeah what if it's he's a double take uh, oh. uh, rogue and was created when double take tried to save someone but couldn't commit or something? Oh, and, and like two of their the timelines timeline. merged into one in a bad way. Oh, that's kind of fun. <laughs> mm. I don't know how that connects <laughs> to their key or whatever. Yeah. But maybe maybe they had the key first, and like they were a kind of a red hood type situation, hmm. like they were doing crime with this device, get caught by the good guy, and become an even badder guy. <laughs> I could see that. Like the only two story ideas that I really liked that I do want to like draw on more later is the idea that they really are a scientist, like a good scientist in their own right. I thought it'd be really funny if they invented by accident time travel but they were using it for their freeze rays 
like it's freezing time and they don't understand the implications of that. Yeah. But you know, like those ridiculous doomsday devices and like supervillain devices that people have in comics where you're sitting there like, you could do so much more with that. You're misusing it so bad. Yeah. I thought they might have a lot of devices like that. Yeah. Oh, but the second thing, I really do want Asmodeus and Beelzebub to be in an actual like good relationship. Like people will do the meme of Joker and Harlequin and be like, oh, I want this as my relationship goals. Yeah. I was like, that they're not in a good relationship though. Yeah. <laughs> like comics, movies, TV shows, everything says they're bad for each other. You used Rockula. I did. Rockula made an appearance before Trimmer did. Well. Well, yeah. <laughs> we talked about Rockula that one time, and I just loved that concept so much that I thought it'd be great to bring her out. Yeah. I guess there's that uh, ending. Yeah. With Amy Dangerous's hair. Yeah. I don't know when that's going to come back up. I had some ideas that that might be a, a crisis event at some point. Yeah. But I wanted to th- thread it in early as something to think about. Yeah, that's cool. You talked about it earlier, but I'm going to cut it out because it was spoilers. Oh. Do you want to talk about what made you think of this story? (laughs) Yeah. When we were talking about underground, I thought about casinos and underground gambling, which I tried to write a couple of stories just based in a casino and it didn't work out. But that reminded me of the Batman, the animated series episode, Almost Got Him. And it's when Batman's rogue gallery is sitting around playing cards and they're all telling different stories about how they almost got Batman. Yeah. So I rewatched that this week while I was preparing for this. Yeah, I think in your notes you were like, hey, do you remember that uh, Batman animated episode? <laughs> I was like, that's the one Batman animated episode everyone knows, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a good episode. Yeah. After not watching the Batman the Animated Series for several years now, and then rewatching that one episode... I forgot how deliciously pulpy it is at some points. Yeah. Like the penguin's big plan to kill Batman was like, I've got all these hummingbirds with poisoned beaks. They're going to poke at you till you die. Just just shoot him, man. Just get it over with. The one Batman thing that has informed me probably more than anything else is this like special villains issue of Batman secret files or something. I don't remember exactly what it is. I have it around here somewhere. But the story on the Riddler I always loved. It's just him being sad of when did we start killing people and kidnapping people and everything. Remember when it was all just gags and fun? Oh. So he's like lamenting how how dark everything's gotten. <laughs> he's just like I want to play riddles on people. <laughs> Aww. Poor guy. I was telling you before at a party we were at, before you had written your story about how it would be really easy to slip Rockula in to like an animated (laughs) version or a comic version of the thing and just have it be more subtle. But in order to have them in a story, you have to either describe them and in which case it's going to go unnoticed until you describe that person and associate the name Rockula with it or you just have to name them. Yeah. Cause the only other thing you can do is just barely describe them at all. Yeah. But then I feel like that's almost an out if later you decide to change your mind. Yeah. Like they just look similar. 
let's play an ad and then do my story. I now call to order this meeting of the Amateur Detectives Club. We've got a mystery on our hands, gang. It's What's the Best Mystery Review Podcast. <gasps> what are the clues? Well, they have to feature, like, very good detectives like Hercule Poirot. Oh, I love him. Maybe be about books that everybody loves and sometimes TV shows or movies. Hmm. And it has to have some good hosts. Like, probably a three seems like a good number. Uh, just delightful, charming charming hosts. You know what, guys? What? I think I have the solution. Mm -hmm. It's the Amateur Detectives Club, a new mystery podcast with me, Melissa Maley. And Miles Newworth. And me, Tristan Miller. When does it come out? Oh, it comes out every um, third Monday of the month. Wonderful. This meeting is adjourned. Jacques! Gavel sound. <laughs> Spell Squadron, Issue 21, No Vacancy, 99 Guests in 99 Rooms, 100 Rooms on 100 Floors. This hotel is 99% full. I almost wish the math were harder to work out. It would give me something to do all day besides waiting for the last guest. Here's what I used to do. I would wait for the clock to hit 6, and I would fix a continental breakfast. Eggs bagels, bacon. I laid out some bread next to the toaster. I put scoops in the cereal boxes. I carefully laid out packets of syrup and butter and different jams. I whipped up some pancake mix and put it next to the waffle maker that output spiral-shaped waffles. I have to brag on myself. It was an amazing breakfast. No one showed up, though. Not when only one person was checked in, nor when there were 30. I stopped sometime after that. For those three hours, I would nibble on some eggs and a bit of toast. I'd make my special breakfast. The toast made the crust, the butter and jelly the sauce, the eggs the cheese. Sometimes I'd put bacon on top for the topping, or replace the toast with a spiral waffle. Either way, it was my breakfast pizza. I would never eat much, though. I've not been too hungry since I've been here. I'd pick at that and watch the Weather Channel. Always the Weather Channel. It was the only channel these TVs seemed to get. Always the same program, too. Maps. Maps showing an incoming storm. A mess of clouds spiraled just off the coast. The storm sure was taking its time. It was coming, though. Every time the front door opened, it seemed as if the rain came down harder than when the previous guest arrived. I hope the storm isn't what's keeping the last guest from arriving. The next few hours were for housekeeping. When I got the first guest checked in, I went through all the rooms and made sure they were all presentable. They were. All the soaps with the word Amity carved into them, the tiny shampoo bottles with the same name on the label, every item in the same spot in each room. After that, I didn't bother checking every room every day. For the first few guests, I didn't bother cleaning their rooms, because they never left. I didn't want to intrude, but then boredom set in. I'd go through each room. Each guest, asleep in their bed, on top of their bedding, fully clothed. So weird that each was so tired as to not get ready for bed. I guess less weird than them not waking up, though. I would go into each room and open the blinds for the day. No light came in. Each had a view to the same sight. Dirt. I guess I forgot to say that the elevator only went down. Only the first floor had any sort of normal view. 
but even that was obstructed by the constant rain and overcast skies. I couldn't see beyond the curb. So I'd ride the elevator down a floor at a time and open the blinds of each window, pretending to let the light in to those poor sleeping souls. I'd also check their televisions to see if they got something other than the weather channel. They didn't. After I got to the end of the current guest, I would ride the elevator back up to the lobby and eat lunch. Well, I'd make lunch. Even if I wasn't hungry, it gave me something to do and a way to pass the time. Each day, I'd peel the paper off the one-a-day calendar, and a new recipe would greet me. The date was always Thursday the 4th, but it was always a new recipe. No repeats, either. So I'd prepare that in the kitchen and give myself a serving while I waited at the help desk. I'd pick at the food and watch those clowns creep their revolution towards me. Then I wait for it to hit one. That's the checkout time. No one has checked out since they've checked in. I haven't seen anyone awake since they've checked in. That doesn't stop me, though. I'd be mad if I went to check out after an abnormally long sleep and had to wait. So I wait. Then, one minute after one, I put up the sign that says ring bell for service, and I descend on the elevator. I go back through each room on my way up. I close the curtains I drew. I turn off any televisions or lights I left on earlier. I ride back up to the lobby, one room at a time. Dinner isn't served by the hotel and I don't bother making anything for myself. I just wait after that. I wait for the next guest to arrive. They arrived regularly at first. They would come in from the rain, shake out their umbrella, take off their cap, and approach the desk. I would greet them. They would ignore me and ring the bell. I won't say I wasn't offended when they ignored my very presence, but service is the name of the job. I would give them their key and follow them to their room with their luggage. They would make me wait for the next elevator. Service sucks. By the time I would get to their room, they would already be out. I'd take the luggage to the closet and turn off the lights and leave. Then I would go down a floor and make sure the next room was ready for use. Sure, I checked them all before, but it never hurts to be sure. And what else do I have to do? I never got more than one guest a day, and none since 99. I sit at the desk for a little while more, waiting and hoping for a service call or anything else to happen. Nothing ever did. So I'd brush my teeth in a sink in the back with the Amity toothpaste I stole from one of the rooms. Watch the spit spiral down the sink, frothy and blue. Sometimes I did laundry after that. I didn't have to. No one used the towels, but it was calming folding warm towels. I'd imagine I just came in from the rain and these towels warming me and drying me all at the same time. Then the scratchy tag with the Amity logo would break me from the daydream and I would continue to fold. The boring parts weren't a problem until that's all there was. After guest 99 showed up, nothing. I've thought about going outside, but I can never bring myself to do it. I've thought about trying to wake up one of the guests, but I can't do that either. The fire alarm sits across the lobby from me, tempting me. I could just pull it and pretend there was a fire. I could even start a small smoky fire and it would be less of a lie. Somewhere deep down, I know they wouldn't wake. So I wait. I wait and wait. Every day I make sure the room on the 100th floor is ready to receive the final guest. What will happen when they arrive? Will the storm finally reach, or will they not make it until the storm is past? If it's the latter, it could take 100 years with how slow that storm seems to be moving. I go back through each room. I look at the guests. They're all different. They each have the same umbrella and the same Amity brand luggage, but they're all of different shapes and sizes and colors. 
I try to find something in each of them that reminds me of me. One has my eyebrows, another my hair color, yet another my hairstyle, and a few others with hairstyles I had worn before. Some I can't find a connection to, though. I'm sure if I knew more about them, I could find at least one thing each of them shared with me. I wait some more. Then boredom breaks me again, so I look through their bags. They don't seem to be waking up anytime soon, so I don't feel too bad. I find the things I need to connect with each guest. A pin that reminded me of one I had once. A shirt I stole once from an ex-boyfriend. A shade of lipstick that matched one I stole from my sister. A bracelet that matched one I had shoplifted from the mall. I admit, I did have a stealing phase once. Once I go through all the luggage, I feel connected to each guest. I feel accomplished. I feel a bit tired. It wouldn't hurt to lie down for a nap in the room on the bottom floor, right? I ride down to floor negative 100. I turn on the television. I kick off my shoes. I yawn. I lay down in that last empty bed, and I close my eyes. The storm arrives. The end. So, I have questions. And I have no answers. I I figured. I mean, first off, obviously we can monetize everything from this story. We have little monogram towels, little Amity soaps. Yeah. I mean, all that for sure is going to be monetized pretty quickly. It's the, the brand Amity. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. I didn't catch that. <laughs> just now that's really gross I can use things like right away too oh <laughs> uh, I like it no every time I like when I was reading your story and uh, the characters said they keep talking about some brand amity I did not realize the first time reading that that they were mishearing grand calamity yeah. and I went why is Daniel introducing like a 100th thing <laughs> to this story Amity brand soaps, Amity brand towels. <laughs> it's the brand Amity. Brand Amity. That answers one question. There's one down. Um. So there's a hundred levels. Yes. Plus the plus the ground floor. So 101. Well, that doesn't count as a floor. That's the lobby. Right. This is the yeah. old friends debate of counting floors. Yeah. So there's negative 100 floors. Each one was only a single room. Yeah. And people go in and stay in each room. Yeah. But never come back out. Yeah. Well, I don't know about never, but... Currently. As long as the story takes place. So when the doors open, are you in the room? I think there's a tiny hallway. Okay, so tiny hallway, then a new door. Yeah. Okay. It's a normal hotel, except the hallway is just the one room. My hotel anxiety kind of like surfaced a little bit, because my first thought was... What if you're just like in your room, like w- with your pants off, and the elevators just open up? <laughs> just oh, I don't want any housekeeping. I'm very sorry. <laughs> you have to see me like this. No, there's a tiny hall. Okay, I was gonna say I loved the passage about breakfast pizza. Oh yeah, because I feel like that passage says so much about our narrator without really saying anything at all. Yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> The fact that they think that's a really good breakfast, that they would call a breakfast pizza and not just eggs on toast, <laughs> says a lot for me. 
But I guess you won't say who the narrator is, though. I'm going to tell you right now. But okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and that's what it is. But the problem I had with this one is I envisioned it in my mind like a comic without any dialogue or a, a short film that just follows this person without any narration or dialogue or anything. And then I started writing it and was just, well, that doesn't translate well to a story. <laughs> so I knew I had to make it from their point of view. Yeah. And then I had a problem with another story I wrote, which won't be on the show until later, was the exact same like in someone's head type of narration. And I couldn't shake the feeling of, I just did this story, but different. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I, reading that other story, the voice is very different. Oh. But I could see, I could see the trouble of sliding too easily back into the same character. But yeah, I, I try to, every week I try to come up with a new, not necessarily a new voice every time, but I try to at least vary my point of view and what type of story it is and everything. And so writing two in a row that were basically hanging out in some inside someone's head was hard to do yeah but i think it would be a really cool short film just watching this person do their <laughs> weird thing it just feels like a hotel at first and then you see them going to each room and opening up the curtains to dirt <laughs> <laughs> and you're just this is real weird <laughs> but yeah anything else we done oh i meant to bring up during my story yeah i thought It'd be really interesting if whenever the Centauri first show up, Michonne, I thought it'd be interesting if he was acting like he was the king that was disposed by the Centauri Empire. Mm. And he and Amy kind of hook up for a little bit. And then whenever she figures out the truth, they have like a bad breakup. Mm. Okay. I thought I'd also see that here. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you have any story ideas for us, any prompts or world-building ideas you want us to touch on, email us at doubleissueshow at gmail.com. Hit us up on Twitter, on the Facey Space. But if you want to follow me on more stuff, you can find me on Twitter at Gwair, G-Y-W-A-I-R, or on Itch.io over at gwair.itch.io. Yeah. We had art by Lisa Prather. You can find her stuff at lisapratherart.com or on Instagram at lisapratherart. Next week's is a world-building episode about Spell Squadron. So join us for that. Oh, sorry, I'm yawning. So join us for that. Yeah. Out. Later. Sound effects were found on freesound.org. Coins 01 by DW. Snoring by Daxter31. Record Scratch by Luffy. Card Shuffle by Imperatoris. Music for this episode was Acid Jazz by Kevin McLeod and Undercover Vampire Policeman by Chris Zabriski. All sounds and songs were used under a tributation license from Creative Commons. Sounds and music were edited and shortened to allow for time in this podcast. Maybe Underworlds would be a different story than Underworld. The one about vampires and werewolves. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a movie that I watched only after reading the novelization. Oh, okay, it, novelization of the movie. Yeah. It was a lot cooler in the book. <laughs>
even though it was based on the movie, I could just imagine everything better than the movie gave it to me. (laughs) I liked the first movie. I don't know how any of the other movies got made or released. In my headcanon, it just stopped after one. You have an underworld headcanon? I do. The headcanon is the first movie happens, and the two lead actors are like, all right, well, we're going to go do something else now. (laughs) And that's where it ends. 